Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calm this. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Bulimia Sucks. I'm your host, Kate Hudson-Hall, and thank you so much for listening. This is a platform for people to share relatable and uplifting and inspiring conversations based on anorexia and bulimia and other eating disorders. And episodes include personal stories of where they are now and their difficult journeys and their steps taken into recovery. And also we talk to professionals who work with people with eating disorders. And my Bulimia Sucks audiobook is now live on Audible, Amazon and iTunes. And if you'd be interested and would like a free copy of this, then please email me at katehudsonhall at gmail.com. And then I can send you the code so you can download it for free. And also the Bulimia Sucks coloring books are available now on Amazon. And it's very exciting. There's stress relieving, calming coloring books. What more could you ask for? And they're displaying an incredible, incredible collection of 35 relaxing, easy to color patterns. And they contain inspiring quotes of wisdom and motivational questions to guide you forward in your recovery. And I've really enjoyed making them. It's been very therapeutic to make them. I've loved it. So if you would like to find out more, so there is a number of, there's three different ones for eating disorders. So one's for, obviously for bulimia, called bulimia sucks. One is called anorexia sucks. And the other one is called binge eating sucks. And then lastly, I have just finished a coloring book for people with anxiety, which is exactly the same, but it has um, fantastic quotes to be able to help to calm and relax you when you're in that difficult situation. And then like with the other books, it has a question or two about that quote and what you can learn specifically about that quote to help you move forward and help you to feel calmer maybe or more relaxed. So check them out. So they're all on Amazon. And so if you put my name, Kate Hudson Hall into Amazon, all the books will come up and you'll be able to find them there. Oh, yes. Now I'm very excited today because our guest is Scott Fishman. Now, Scott is in the process of finishing his very first book, which is a memoir about his experience with anorexia, bulimia and exercise bulimia. And this memoir is about his struggles and challenges and the journey in recovery, well, as a man with an eating disorder. And he's here today to talk about it. So it's very exciting for us. 
um, and triggered by wrestling when he was in high school. He'd been de- he's been dealing with an eating disorder since he was 16 years old and has sought help in therapy, several treat- hospital treatment programs and nutritional counseling over the years. And I'm happy to say he is finally at the point of recovery in his 60s. So this is amazing, Scott, to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you, Kate. I'm so glad to be here and uh, uh, just uh, excited to share uh, however I can help people. Oh, wow. Well, it's huge. And we, we, we all applaud you for coming on and talking about this. <laughs> Thank you. And of course, we want to hear about your book. So <laughs> let's, let's begin. Let's start back at the beginning. You know, so when you were 16 years old and so what your life had been like and how it sort of like materialized from the wrestling into, into, into an eating disorder. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, I would say that the eating disorder started or was triggered by the, the wrestling, but the seeds of my eating disorder really started way younger, um, you know, in my uh, kind of earliest memories, honestly. Although, yeah, yeah, um, I, I just can see how the progression of it was going to be an addict somehow or other to, to get my attention focused somewhere else besides the pain that I felt. Right. So, so what does that mean? So when you were younger, you, you know, when you reflect back, you, you realized when you, you know, you realize now and back then that there was a connection. So what, what do you mean by that? Um, I, you know, I think eating disorders, I've done a lot of, self-examination, introspection on why I have an eating disorder, what prompted that eating disorder, because an eating disorder is, is, is most people understand it to be is, is a symptom of underlying issues. And um, it's a, a maladaptive coping mechanism. And I, uh, I grew up uh, on kind of a, a depressive, I, I just uh, never felt real great about myself. And um, uh, always felt that I was um, a loner in a way. Right. Uh, didn't have a lot of great friends in grade school uh, or even, you know, up through high school. I, I was felt kind of isolated um, the relationship that I had with my family, I mean, it, it, it's good. It was, you know, it was not abusive or anything of that nature, but my dad back in those years, back in the fifties and sixties, uh, dads back then didn't go to their kids soccer games much, you know, not like they do today. No, no. And, um, so I felt kind of alienated from my, particularly my dad, but my, my family. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of different uh, um, 
stumbling blocks, I think, that kind of started this process that led to a, an eating disorder. Um, just the feelings that I had about myself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that you, you know, that you, when you think back, you, you can sort of unfold those difficulties back then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, well, when I mentioned my dad, you know, but back then men primarily worked and that's, my dad was a, a good provider, but he worked all the time. And, uh, when I had a concert and band or was uh, playing little league baseball or whatever, I mean, I, he was never around and I, I felt the lack of his presence and it, uh, it hurt, it hurt me. And I think that uh, that was a big part of it as well as just the way I came out of the, you know, came into this world being kind of, overly sensitive and um, uh, uh, just never really being quite happy with myself. And then I, I, I started, uh, I, another aspect of it was, uh, I, I don't know what it was like growing up in the UK back in those years, but in the United States, particularly in the area that I lived in, which is the, the Midwest part of the United States, um, there was a lot of emphasis on sports and athletics. Mm. And the, you know, if my, my interests or passions or whatever were not in sports, but they were in art or they were in you know, other areas, I didn't get a lot of uh, attaboys. But um, it was it was based on sports, and I tried to become an athlete, and I tried to be good on sports teams. But I just naturally, physiologically, just wasn't it. Just wasn't there for me. I just wasn't a good athlete, and and that I beat myself up a lot because of that. Um, looked up to my friends that were and kind of put myself down that I wasn't. And uh, so my, uh, my story involves quite a bit about, you know, my lack of athletic ability and um, uh, my desire to be that, be something that I really wasn't, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, so, know, um, you obviously didn't have the encouragement which in those days, most, you know, a lot of people didn't to be able to find what, you know, what you did really enjoy and to, to help, help you to, to grow in that area. Yeah, bingo. That's really a great point. Yes, I didn't. Um, when I went to high school, I had a cousin that was very athletic and he, uh, he always felt that if I could just find a sport that I liked, and got involved with and felt part of a team and, you know, that I'd feel like I, I belonged more. And so he encouraged me to join the wrestling team, which for somebody that is sensitive and um, it probably wasn't the best suggestion in the world. 
I, you know, uh, it, uh, the wrestling and I didn't get along very well, but I stuck with it. And, uh, because I really wanted to be part of the team. I wanted to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And of course. Uh, yeah. So that was the first time in my life that I became aware of my body weight and what my body looks like and exercise to, to, to this degree where I had to like cut weight and get into amazing shape. And, and it, uh, uh, triggered this eating disorder because after wrestling, I started putting on a little bit of weight and I always just felt that I was getting fat. I couldn't let go of the wrestling mentality. Right. Right. And it just, uh, you know, I was already a senior in high school at this time, and uh, I couldn't wait to go to college the next year so I could um, go back to that regimen of diet, and which I felt like I needed to do in order to, to be accepted. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, it was the first time in my life that girls noticed that I had a decent looking body and um, it, it became about my body. Yeah. You know, my, my, uh, the, the way I viewed myself, it was all about what I looked like from the outside, not how I felt on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And more attention you got from the girls, I suppose, the more it became embedded that negative pattern of eating. Or not eating. Yes, correct. Um, so I, I remember my freshman year in college really um, restricting, um, cutting back, going to the gym all the time, running just uh, so the exercise kind of bulimia. And then that, that turned into actual bulimia. Once well, I, when you're in college. Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't even know how I figured it out, but I figured out that I could purge and it was, uh, um, I, I hated doing it. It was really, hmm. you know, a, a disgusting thing that I, I, I felt, but I, yeah, I, but, then, I, but then, it you know, it kind of gets a grip on you, doesn't it? Oh, for and, sure. And then, you know, that then life revolves around it or can revolve around it. Yes. Yeah. And it, that, you know, it and it's is. just, it's just so horrific because of all those negative feelings, you know, the disgust and the shamefulness and the, the, all the awful feelings that go with it. Right. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I was purging, a lot. I mean, like, you know, several times a day. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I don't really know how I sustained a, 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 um, a body weight that supported me because, uh, I, I don't remember ever keeping anything down. Yeah. But, I couldn't, I couldn't even eat an apple. Oh my uh, gosh. You know, I couldn't eat anything. Um, and I would, 
you know, binge and purge multiple times a day. If I, you know, if I could. Right. If you could, and that's really a great point because the purging is so embarrassing and shameful that you become really isolative. At yes. least I was. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I had to be because I, I needed to go to the sneak into the men's room after every meal and um, do my thing. And yeah. so I, uh, um, I, was, I was alone even more at, at that point in my life than I was younger when I didn't feel like I was a part of anything. So my mind really, uh, my, my whole behavior, everything revolved around my eating disorder and the bulimia. Yeah. And it, and it honestly, it took a toll in, in, in virtually every aspect of my life. Uh, I, I can't think of one area of my life that it didn't affect negatively. You know, whether it's relationships, jobs, my education, um, friendships, it, it just, uh, it's very all-encompassing, as you know. Yeah. And um, so, I don't know, do you want me to keep going or do you want to? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because that was, so that was when you were in high school and then that, that, that just intensified that whole pattern with bulimia, um, I presume, and then restricting the foods. Right, right. The restriction and the exercise part of it were always there as well. Um, but there were many times when I would uh, binge and purge, just losing control. And, and uh, yeah, they, they weren't. Good memories. I, uh, mm. I, I, I ended up getting uh, therapy. So, yeah. So what was the first sort of, what made you decide that, okay, now this is, this is too much and I'm going to look for some help. What do you think the turning point was for you, Scott? Well, I'll tell you, I sought help fairly early on, to be honest, um, while I was still in college. Oh, okay. But I had a real difficult time concentrating. All I could think about when I was trying to study was what I was going to eat for lunch yeah. or the ice cream that was in the freezer or, you know, some food or exercise component of my life is what I thought about. And it really bothered me. Um, I ended up going to the school of psychology and I asked to speak to, I didn't know where to go or what to do. And mm. I, well, I, I initially spent a lot of time just in the bookstore trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Cause back then, back in the early seventies, there wasn't much written about anorexia or bulimia other than in textbooks absolutely and i say that quite often and i remember it so clearly that well, well bulimia wasn't actually officially labeled whatever they call it until 1979 anyway is um, that right wow. yeah and and i remember 
you know, in the 80s, I remember going into the bookshops and trying to find books on bulimia to try and understand more. But they were all just very academic books or too much right. for me to be able to read. That's why my book is very easy to read. <laughs> I remember that so clearly. <laughs> I, I do, too. I, I remember um, anorexia nervosa and the the. the um, physiological definition of it and I mean yeah it was very clinical yeah and uh so I ended up going to the uh I, I figured that I had some kind of a, an issue with anorexia and, and bulimia to some degree I from whatever I could gather from those books and then I uh ended up going to the school of psychology and I asked them I told them that my problem was uh compulsive thoughts about food and exercise. And I asked if I could see somebody there. I mean, I didn't know where else to really turn. Mm-hmm. So, so they hooked me up with a grad student and he told me that I should put a rubber band on my wrist and that every time I thought about food, I should just flip my wrist and it would shock me a little bit. And that would get me to, you know, conditional response, mm. you know, <laughs> it obviously didn't work. And I, I thought this is crazy. And, you know, it took a, a while to get back into some kind of a therapy, but my, my family started recognizing that I was way too thin and urged me to get therapeutic help. And so did you again, at that I, point? Yeah, I did. They started me on antidepressants and I, I saw it. I, yeah, I don't remember it being too helpful, the therapy back then. So many, many years went by as I dealt with my eating disorder and tried to move on with my life. Ended up kind of putting myself into treatment in a hospital program. Uh, I was living in California at the time and found out that a, a friend of my family's was a psychiatrist real close to where I was living. And he was the head of a eating disorder program at, at a uh, hospital there. Wow. So I ended up talking to him and he convinced me that I needed to take a leave of absence and go into this program. Okay. And mm. right. And, and it was helpful, but I don't know if I was really ready. Mm-hmm. to give it up. You know, I don't think those underlying issues were really resolved. And so I would say that it was just moderately helpful to me. Yeah. Gave me an, a, an, a better understanding of eating disorders, but for me personally to take ownership of it and to um, do something about it was, was another issue. Mm-hmm. So I continued on the path and, um, you know, without going into more detail uh, other than what you want to know, I, I ended up seeking help in several other treatment programs, um, hospital type programs. And I don't know, just, it, it just took a long time for me to get it. 
So, so, what, what was the, so what was the turning point there for, for you to get it? What sort of help did you have at that time? Or what was different about your life? I'm not sure that, that there was a particular event or I don't think there was any particular situation that said it's time, you know, that I had some kind of crisis. Um, I didn't, well, I did have a couple crises, I guess. I, I lost a couple jobs. And um, I, I think they were, the loss of those jobs were basically due to my inability to think straight. You know, I was so wrapped up in the eating disorder that uh, it was hard for me to concentrate on my job yeah, and still go to the gym and still eat what I'm supposed to eat or not eat and listen to all of, I, I call my eating disorder, Ed, mm. to, to listen to Ed's rules and yeah. regulations and rituals. And, and that really shook my world, um, losing two jobs. I had always been very successful at what I had done and uh, to lose these jobs and kind of lose relationships. Uh, finally turned turn things around for me, I think. Mm. And um, I developed a, a real sincere desire to want to change. And, and I think that's what it takes is a sincere desire to want to change. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and so, so did, did you have any further help then or was that your, you know, that was your decision and you sort of had help before. So you kind of knew what, how to go forward with it. Or were you having therapy? Uh, I was still undergoing therapy. I, um, I, I was in a couple different, uh, what are they called? Intensive outpatient programs mm. where you don't spend the night there, but you spend the days there and eat there. And, and they were actually very helpful to me. Uh, so I went through IOP uh, for a fairly long period of time. And then I, I still talk to a, a nutritionist and yeah. a therapist. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to stay on top of it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that the behavior of the eating disorder, you know, there's all there's reasons why people behave that way. And it's all connected to those unconscious and conscious thoughts, patterns, behaviors, experiences from the past that have built up. And they've all got to be talked about and worked through, haven't they? In order for yes. you to get to that point of taking back control of your eating. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And so, because it's not about the food, it's about how you're feeling. About yourself, right. Yeah. And I, um, it took me a long time to really kind of embrace myself and to want to love myself and to um, accept myself. And mm -hmm. I, I've worked really hard on that in, in therapy and just kind of on my own mm -hmm. reading and journaling, doing a lot of journaling. Yeah. That's so helpful. Yeah. Just to, you yeah. know, just to get it out. 
get those the the feelings out that are pent up when you release them by writing it it does something for you you can let them go can't you yes yes yeah so it's just been a, a process yes and so so scott what would you say to other men that are listening to this what would you what would you recommend for them if they had anorexia or bulimia what would you suggest to them that would be something that would be positive for them to do towards maybe thinking even just thinking about stepping on that recovery path well um that's really what um, my book is about. Oh. You mentioned that I was writing this book. and Tell us about your book. I'll, I'll segue into my book with that. Absolutely. This is not a commercial. <laughs> this is not a commercial. It's, it's not out yet. I'm still working on it. I'm almost finished. Um, but my message to men is that it's, there, there's not a, uh, nothing to be ashamed of by being wrapped up in, you know, feeling like you think too much about what you eat or your body, your body image. Um, I think people, men out there know whether they're in that camp or not that have a, a problem with it. They just feel that it's a woman's disease and that um, they're ashamed of, talking about it they you know it's something that they keep inside secretive that there's a stigma to admitting that you might have an eating disorder which is again a typically by our media and things it's a women's disease yeah um so my suggestion to any man is that if you think you have an issue with it number one you probably do and number two too is to seek help early and to stay with it you know not just to um, think that you can go to a therapist for two months and get some insight and all of a sudden be better that it takes takes time but the sooner you find some help a team or some some a therapist and a nutritionist primarily, but yeah. you know, if you need to go beyond that, then that's what you do. But um, seeking help and not being afraid to talk about it. I think that's just an amazing first step. Yeah. For any understand, man. Absolutely. And understanding that these feelings from different experiences that you've had, they've got to be worked through and talked about. And that isn't an overnight fix with, you know, a couple of hours with therapy. Right. Right. Mm. I, you know, I think for myself personally, I, in a way, antidepressants have, have done us a disservice because we think that our life should just get be better, should just get better once we take an antidepressant you know, that a pill just kind of magically fixes everything. And I'm here to say it doesn't, you know, I mean, it'll help, it augments, but it doesn't make those feelings just go away. No. Uh, it, it, that takes 
talking, it takes, it, it takes um, somebody like yourself that, that can walk somebody through that process of understanding themselves, of understanding the issues that they deal with and kind of uh, begin to accept and, and love yourself. That, that you really need some guidance there, I believe. Yes, absolutely. And you're right, the sooner that you can reach out for help, the so much better your life will become. Yes. And it's, uh, I, I, you know, I know people that have only had to deal with it for, you know, a short amount of time because they've caught it early. It's just an individual thing. It really is. It just, uh, everybody's journey is different on this, you know, with an addiction. But there's like in addiction, there's a, a an analogy of uh, riding an elevator. Have you heard of that? Where that there's only one, if you have an active addiction or an, an active disease, like like an eating disorder, yeah. If you get on an elevator, it only goes in one direction and that's down. Yeah. And and you can get off on any floor that you choose, any floor that you want. And that's by seeking help. And um if you don't seek help, then you just continue to go down that elevator shaft yeah. and it gets harder and harder and harder. So I made the decision to um, get off the elevator and it's helped my life considerably, immeasurably. And where are you now in your life? Um, things are good. I, I'm, I'm relatively new to this area. I moved here because I just loved the mountains and I wanted to be close to the mountains and I like photography a lot. And I wanted to take more pictures. And I've, I've really learned to just accept myself, you know, and, and I don't blame myself for the eating disorder. And I think that's really important for everybody to know is that there, there's no blame associated in, with it. It's, it's, it's a biological thing. It's a psychological thing. It's, it's a, environmental media there's a lot of influences that go into an eating disorder and I, I i i won't say that i'm a victim but i will say that it really wasn't my fault you know yeah. that that it came out this way yeah but then you wouldn't be who you are today if you hadn't been through that experience right you know, we all learn from these different experiences. And, well, they make us better people, don't they? Yes, they do. They do. You know, because we have more understanding about so many other areas that many people wouldn't have that experience, that knowledge, which, you know, brings in another, you know, completely different strain to ourselves, I think. You yeah, know, it's um, a positive. It's a positive, caring side, I suppose. More empathy. 
Yeah. And, and understanding of other people. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, so I, my, my life is, is good and it, it has meaning and purpose for me where I don't know that it really did before. Yeah. Before it was all about following the rules of my eating disorder. And now that I'm not ruled by my eating disorder, like I, I was, I have other thoughts that, that come into my, my head now. And, and it, it's such a pleasure and it gives me such yeah. affirmation of life to be able to go out and really see a, a scene that I, I want to take a picture of or write about um, and share with others. Yeah, absolutely. It frees your mind up to yeah. be able to think happy thoughts. Yeah, exactly. So, so mm-hmm. you know, I still deal occasionally with a knee-jerk reaction of I shouldn't eat that because you know, it's on my list of bad foods from when I was, you know, 20 years old. And, and it's hard to let that stuff go. But over a long period of time, it, it does tremendously diminish, yes. you know, the, the intensity diminishes yes. to where you're starting to live based on my own rules and my own values and not based on the values and rules okay. and rituals of, of, of Ed. Yeah. 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 You know, I suppose in a way we're completely different people now than what we were from the inside out. Yes. It, it used to be all about external acceptance. You know, if I had a good body, if I was athletic, if I was, you know, then, then I would have friends and be accepted and admired or looked up to, or just be part of. And, uh, now I, I, I recognize that it's an internal job. I need to do that for myself. You know, I, I can't people please and do all these things to try to get other people to approve of me from, from outside sort, you know, reasons that it's, it's all about how I feel about myself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your journey. And so the book you're hoping maybe will be released Sometime around the first of the year, you know, the, the beginning of 2022, I'm, I'm really, really close and I'm polishing things up and um, then I, I want to get it out there. It'll be on Amazon. Yeah. So, and so, but if, if, if people wanted to come and find you to talk more. Sure. How, how I'm happy to share. How could they find you? They can go to my, um, I just, my email address. Can I give you my email address? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, great. It's, it's S, like Scott, Fishman, S-F-I-S-H-M-A-N. My last name is very simple, Fishman, at 
or O2, I'm sorry, sfishman02 yeah. at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Okay. And that, that's really the best way. And then we'll put the link below the podcast anyway, so people can come and find it. Oh, thank you. Mm. And then, you. yeah, and then we'll, well, we'll, we'll be in touch again. So we can, we can maybe talk further when your book is going to be to, about to be released and, and, uh, and people will be able to come and find it and read it. Oh, that, that would be amazing, Kate. I would really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Well, and, thank, and you I, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me today and, and allowing me to share my story. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, well, no, thank you for sharing your story. You know, we were talking earlier um, and we, I've, you know, even though I've tried, I haven't really had many males on, on the show, um, which, you know, which is, which is difficult because men get eating disorders as well as females. So, you know, we want we want more people to be more men, women, men to be talking about it and to yes. spread the word and help each other. I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Hence your book. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, thank you, Scott, so much. So that's all for today. Thank you. That's all for today's episode of Bohemia Sucks. And thank you to everybody for listening and join us again on the next episode episode and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you come and check out our Bulimia Sucks Facebook group if you haven't already, where it's great to connect with like-minded people and chat about our ups and downs. So come and join us. So thanks for listening. And I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. Bulimia sucks, but you don't. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon. 